It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Any health related information on the following show provides general information only. Content presented on any show by any host or guest should not be substituted for a doctor's advice. Always consult your physician before beginning any new diet, exercise, or treatment program. Welcome to Speak Up and Stay Alive Radio with author, speaker, and your host, Pat Rulo, serving you a generous helping of everything you need to know to help you and your loved ones stay safe during any doctor or hospital visit. The program is not intended to replace medical advice from a licensed professional, but rather to encourage you to become a well-informed participant in your health and well-being. And now, your host, Pat Rulo. Hello and welcome. I'm Pat Rulo, the voice for patient safety, where each week we delve into little-known healthcare and hospital hazards, as well as other fringe topics that affect your health and well-being. I'm so happy you've taken the time to join me, and today I have lots to share with you. So, let's dig right in, shall we? Today, we are fortunate to have quite a guest, a guest who saved his own life by listening to his intuition, and he has a story to tell. I met him as a fellow radio host as he also has a wonderfully informative health program that now airs on our internet radio station, Speak Up Talk Radio. He is Dr. Carl O. Helvey, a registered nurse with two masters and doctorate in public health and wellness and 60 years experience as a nurse practitioner, educator, author, and researcher. He has published eight books, 55 articles, 58 research papers presented around the United States and Europe. Carl chose a holistic approach after being diagnosed with lung cancer and given six months to live some 40 years ago, making him the longest living lung cancer survivor who refused chemo. As I mentioned, he has a radio show and it's called Holistic Health Show to help others achieve the results similar to his. He is the author of the book, You Can Beat Lung Cancer Using Alternative Integrative Interventions. Well, he is a wise and kind gentleman, and I'm happy to have this opportunity to share him with you. So welcome to the show, Carl. Thank you, Pat. I'm happy to be with you. Oh, gosh. We're happy to have you here. Now, Carl, I want to really dig into your journey a little bit here. Lung cancer. It has very few symptoms before it becomes advanced and difficult to treat. And I know that you have this amazing story to tell. So tell us, did you have any symptoms that caused you to seek medical attention? No, I didn't, Pat, and uh, I think that that was a godsend. And the reason that I went to the doctor initially was because I had a dream that told me to go for a chest X-ray. And I believe in my dream because I feel that that is one way that God speaks with us if we listen. So I pay attention to my dreams, and so I went, and that was the beginning of my journey. Now... How many times have we, you know, I'm sure all of us and our listeners had this, just this strange feeling and you're like, eh, no, and just go to work and forget about it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's probably though a fine line between listening to those voices in your head. And how did you know that this was really something you had to pay attention to? I think, Pat, because I've had this before, and after a while you get to the point where you know that it's something that you need to act on mm-hmm. and not nonsense, yeah. you know, and especially if, it's, if it repeats or if it's in color or what, some of those things are important things to remember. But at the time, I was watching all of my dreams, so I kept a pencil and a pad by my bedside, and I gave myself suggestions before I went to bed mm-hmm. that I would uh, remember my dreams. One thing that's important for your listeners to know is that you have to jot down a few words before you put your feet on the floor because once you put your feet on the floor, the dream is gone. Mm -hmm. But if you just jot down a few words and then, you know, uh, you get up, the whole dream will come back to you. Interesting. So there's a whole process in paying attention to not only your dreams, but just some of your gut feelings as well, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Now, Carl, when you went to your doctor, did you say, I had a dream? No, I didn't. <laughs> My doctor was very conservative, and as I say, 40 years ago, you know, they were less open than they are, than some of them are now. So I, he kept uh, asking me why. Did I have symptoms? I kept saying no. And when I finally wore him down, and, and he finally sent me for the x-ray, and it came back positive. I mean, there was a spot that hadn't been there previously. And so then he asked me to go for a biopsy, which I did. And then they come in and they start telling me they're going to do chemo and they're going to do surgery. And and I told them, no, 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 no. I don't make snap decisions. I go home, I pray about it, I think about it, and I make a rational decision. And your responsibility is to tell me the pros and cons of surgery and chemotherapy and my responsibility is to make the decision and they just wouldn't let up. They just kept saying, no, no, we make the decision. I kept saying, no, no, you don't. I make the decision. I think doctors were so used to being God that they didn't think that patients could make the decision, but hopefully they're learning. (laughs) Do you think doctors are more willing to have that conversation and give the patient time or is it still, hey, you need to do this now? No, it's still pretty much that way, Pat. Mm-hmm. I had a problem with a heart, with my heart recently. That's the first uh, health concerns I've had in 40 years since the cancer. But my primary doctor is very upset because I didn't want to take the traditional drugs. You know, I've gotten rid of one of the cardiologists because he was very adamant that if I didn't do these things, he wouldn't do this and that and the other thing, and so I figured I don't need him. And that can be a challenge. Someone tells you you've got six months to live, you don't really have time or the mental capacity to start researching. So, um, yeah, I think that might be a difficult thing for folks to do. And you also had that background, though. You were a registered nurse, and you you had experience in public health, so maybe that gave you a bit of a leg up. I'm I'm trying to help our listeners to encourage them to, Mm -hmm. you know, if they get that kind of a diagnosis or whatever kind of a diagnosis, to stop like you did and take the time and go home and think and pray and research. Right. Because that's important. Now, why did you choose then to the whole alternative intervention instead of conventional care? Was it because of your background? I had a good friend who actually was my physician's sister, but he didn't know I knew her, and she was the opposite of him. She was very progressive, 
And she said to me, well, do you want me to pray with you and uh, for guidance? And I said, yeah. And so we prayed and we watched our dreams. And she also wanted, asked if I wanted a psychic reading. Well, I'd never had one, but I thought, what do I have to lose? Right. And so I had this reading, and we compared our notes, and we compared what the psychic said, and everything came back that I should treat it naturally. I should not uh, do the chemo and the surgery. And so I chose to use the natural uh, approaches. One thing I wanted to say, too, is that when the doctor tells patients that they've got six months to live or three months to live, you know, I get a lot of um, emails from people, and they've been given that prognosis, and I tell them that that is not a medical diagnosis or, or, or you know, it's a God diagnosis, and only God knows when we're going to die, and that they should not pay attention to that, that they should pay attention to their own intuition, because I think that our mind has such an influence on our body and if they believe that, that they will probably die in the three months or the six months. So we have to stay positive. That's one of the very important parts of cancer treatment is to have faith, stay optimistic, and stay positive. So get over the three months or the six months, you know, yeah. that gives people hope. Absolutely. We talk about that a lot on the show, the whole connection between the mind, the body, affirmations, guided imagery. Right here on my desk, I have a little note to myself, you are what you think about. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, you know, you can pretty much create your own reality in, in many instances. Mm -hmm. How did your family and your colleagues and friends react to your decision when you said um, no chemo, no radiation? I think you have to be strong to stand up to... Uh you know, family that has a whole different feeling. But my mother, and I knew she loved me, but my mother's attitude was, well, just do what the doctor wants you to do and then do these other things. And my colleagues, all nurses, and they all were very oriented to, to traditional medicine, they either wouldn't talk to me at all about it, or if they did, they'd try to pressure me into going for the chemo and for the surgery. So Ursula was really the only support that I had that was available, you know, day or night, which w was also important because I think that people, when they have cancer, they need a support system, but they need a support system that is going to support them no matter what their decision is because it's empowering for a patient to make a decision and to get support for that decision. And an example is my brother was diagnosed with lung cancer last year, and he had a lot of faith in his physician that he'd had for 40 years. And so he wanted to do radiation, which is what his physician wanted, and I knew that that was not going to help. Mm -hmm. But I did not, you know, I felt, well, it's his decision, and... He's happy with that decision. The only thing I did was I asked him if he would also add Laetrile, which is what I use. Mm -hmm. And he said, of course I will. He said, you know what you're talking about. Wow. So he added the Laetrile, but I think his memory had gotten so bad that I don't know how much he remembered to take it. And they gave him five days a week for five weeks 
of radiation, and I thought that was a little much, much. for a 91-year-old man. Oh. And then he had two weeks, and uh, after two weeks, he went to get up one night to go to the bathroom, and he couldn't walk. They put him back in the hospital. They said the tumor had not shrunk. They were going to do chemo. And his daughter said, I just want him comfortable. If he needs morphine for the pain or whatever he needs, I just want him comfortable. And they put him in hospice, and he died within a week. Classic, classic sequence, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Now, you mentioned Laetrile. And first, let me say that I'm sorry about your brother and that you had to go through that. And, 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 you know, what what you were doing was giving him unconditional support. So I think that's huge. Right. Um, Yeah. Let's talk for a minute. Laetrile, that's uh, my dad had colon cancer and we tried. I think I think it was a mental thing. I think he was ready to let go. But I was, you know, the proponent of the 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 non-conventional side. And we were we were doing Laetrile. Explain Mm -hmm. what that is to our listeners. Laetrile is vitamin B17 or amygdalin is another name. And the major source of it is the apricot kernel, but there's many food sources that have laetrile. And the theory is that we have a deficiency of vitamin B17, and then we develop the cancer because of the deficiency. Mm -hmm. And there are certain things that are very important that you take with it. A lot of people just take the laetrile, but... By itself, it's not really the best because the uh, cancer cells have a very strong protein around the cells, and it's hard to get the uh, cancer killer into the cells. And so I took pancreatic enzymes, and they soften the shell around the cancer cells mm. so that it can, and the laetrile can enter. I also took zinc, which carries the laetrile to the site. Mm -hmm. I took high-dose vitamin A to prevent the normal cells from converting to cancer cells. And it's interesting because my doctor told me this 40 years ago, and about eight months ago, Pat, I saw research, because I read the research every Sunday, I saw research that said they had taken vitamin A they had put it on cancer cells, breast cancer cells. They had put it on normal cells, and they had put it on precancerous breast cancer cells. It did nothing to the cancer cells. It did nothing to the normal cells, but it reverted the precancer cells back to normal cells. Isn't that interesting? Wow. Years later. Mm-hmm. That's huge. That's huge. And so the other thing I want to mention about the laetrile is that a lot of the traditional literature will say that laetrile has cyanide in it. It will kill you. It will send you to the emergency. I said ignorance is bliss Mm -hmm. because I took it for two years. I had no side effects. But what the literature doesn't tell you is that there is cyanide in the laetrile, but it requires certain enzymes to activate the cyanide, and cancer cells have those enzymes, but normal cells do not. Mm-hmm. And so it is very specific for the cancer cells and does not affect the normal cells. 
Wow, that is interesting. I was just recalling it was 20 some years ago, and I believe my dad was doing the injections of the laetril initially. Now, um, so with your, with the regime that you were following, were there any side effects that you remember? No, I had no side effects at all. I was teaching at the university at the time, and I went to school every day, and I was uh, writing books and doing research and traveling, and no problem at all. I carried the apricot kernels with me because I took apricot kernels also. I carried those with me, and I ate about 25 of those during the day. They're very bitter, mm-hmm. but uh, you get used to it after a while, and, you know, when you have something like uh, cancer, you don't mind. No. But the other thing was that the doctor put me, and again, I think this was very progressive, the doctor put me on something that was like a vegan diet, Mm -hmm. and so I had uh, all the fruit and vegetables I wanted, and 75% was raw, and then I could have some additional cooked. I could have grains and nuts, and that was it. No protein. I took a pre-digested protein. Uh, no simple carbohydrates. So it was very much like a vegan diet. And you know, Pat, I think that there is something to the vegan diet because I've gone back on it for my heart and uh, I, I'm doing very well, you know. And uh, I think that the vegan has helped. Um, there's a Dr. Eschelstein who has done research and he has found that his patients, his uh, patients that have had heart attacks and all, he puts them on a very strict vegan diet, and they never have another heart attack. They don't have any more major heart problems Interesting. once they're on the vegan diet. No, I agree with you 100%. I mean, we are what we eat, and um, Mm -hmm. it would behoove us to think ahead of time. So your regime was the supplements and diet. I'm sure there was a lot of mental work that went on. That's the one thing that the doctor didn't uh, do, and they still don't, Mm -hmm. and that was they focused pretty much on the physical aspect. And I I thank my doctor for the physical aspect because he certainly knew what he was doing. But I added the mental, spiritual, because I, with a public health background, I was taught that there are multiple factors in man, the environment, and the disease agents that lead up to disease processes or wellness. So it seemed that there had to be multiple factors that would resolve the cancer process. And also, I had volunteered a few summers at the Edgar Casey Children's Camp and I had learned a lot about the Edgar Casey approach to things, and uh, he was very much into using a holistic approach that was physical, mental, spiritual. Right, right. Well, so if this has been around so long and people are doing well and improving and staying healthy with, with these alternative and integrative interventions, why does mainstream media not embrace this? And you know the answer to that. I do know the answer to that. Money, that was... money, money. <laughs> greed, greed, greed. Oh, that was a what rhetorical would happen question. If there was a cheap cure for cancer, what would happen to the whole medical system? Absolutely. I mean, you know, they'd have to go scurrying around finding something else. The drug companies make money. The American Cancer Association stays in business. You know, the doctors make a lot of money on chemotherapy because they buy it wholesale and they sell it retail and they get paid for administering it. So 
everyone makes money. They even have an anti-quack law yes. at the federal level. Yep. And so if a physician is brave enough, as mine was, to try to be more interested in helping people than in making a lot of money, survival rate for uh, traditional treatment for stage 4 cancer is like 2 to 5% five-year survival. Right. Well, that's nothing. But if they venture out, like my doctor did, then they pull out the anti-quack law and they put them out of business. And my doctor, he was working for the National Cancer Institute and he was having so much success that they closed him down and then he did it in his office. And I had to sign forms, I wouldn't report him. But within five years, they had taken his medical license. Dr. Forsythe, who wrote a chapter in my book, he was having so much success. And by success, uh, let me tell you, the traditional five-year survival for stage four is 2 to 5%. His five-year survival, and this was three years ago, was 46%. And so, and I understand now, it's around 60%. And so he was such a threat that they went after him, and he told me, he said they couldn't take my license because he is in Nevada, and he's not only an MD, but he's a homeopathic doctor, mm-hmm. and the scope of practice is a little bit broader. Yeah. But he said what they did was to try to bankrupt him, and he said it cost me a lot of money to defend myself. Isn't that sickening? Just, yes, it is. It's just unbelievable. Um, but but folks can gain some wisdom from your book. Um, you can beat lung cancer using alternative and integrative interventions. Beatlungcancer.net. And I hope all of our listeners are writing that down. Beatlungcancer.net. Because it's not just lung cancer. It's I'm right. sure that's applicable to any type of uh, right. cancer as well. So the, obviously the outcome of your interventions is the fact that you and I are speaking here today. Um, well, now in wrapping up, I'm going to ask you, what advice would you give to someone who has been given a diagnosis with little or no hope? We kind of touched on that, but just in wrapping up. Well, I think that they should not jump into chemosurgery radiation, but they should, if they don't have the information, they should tell the doctor that they need to think about it, they need to pray about it, or whatever and go home, and they can find a naturopathic doctor they can talk with. If not, uh, go on the Internet because there's a lot of information. It can be kind of overwhelming, and I'm always happy to interact with anyone that I can uh, and offer whatever I can. I can usually help find resources in their area or if they want to go to a clinic somewhere to someone that I think is good or if they want to try what I tried. You know, I think praying. I have found, Pat, that when you have a problem, the solution is always there. Yes. It's just a matter of kind of praying and asking for help, and the help will appear. Yep. So I think that people shouldn't rush into something, but make their own decisions because it's their life and it's their journey. You know, I'm glad I went through the experience. I don't look at everything now. I used to look at things about why this happening to me, but I don't anymore. Mm-hmm. Because now I feel that had I not had this experience, Pat, I wouldn't be able to share and give encouragement to people 
that I can do as a result of having had the experience. So many people say that because you do come out the other end with a lot of valuable wisdom and help for other people. And and you mentioned for people to to be open and to listen to their intuition and that the solution's always there. I mean, they say when the student is ready, the master appears. Mm-hmm. So um, the, maybe the master is always there. Um, the student just needs to be ready. So encouraging for folks to look inwards and to stop and think and not take that first devastating answer as a, as their life's sentence, really. Now, you said folks can get in touch with you. The BeatLungCancer.com is your website. And I encourage folks to also go to that website, BeatLungCancer.com. And Carl's radio show, Holistic Health Show, is now heard on our very own network, Just go to speakuptalkradio.com, speakuptalkradio.com, and you can listen anytime, 24-7, and I encourage folks to do that. What an awesome testimony to the power of nutrition and natural therapies for long-term healing, and just as important, Carl, what a testimony to trusting your gut, your instincts, and your intuition, and you are just a wonderful, wonderful man. I'm so pleased that we met, and thank you for sharing with us today. Thank you, Pat. I appreciate the opportunity. Both of my radio shows, Speak Up and Stay Alive and Speak Up Talk Radio, focus on the central theme of you becoming the voice for informed choice. So I hope you take today's conversation to heart and feel free to speak up and ask questions and be an empowered patient. And I also hope that you can get a copy of my book, Speak Up and Stay Alive, The Patient Advocate Hospital Survival Guide. There are just so many tips and tricks and and healthcare hazards that you may not be aware of. And a quick read of that book will put you in the position to feel free to speak up on your own behalf. So simply go to speakupandstayalive.com, head over to the shop page and you will find the book. It's $20. Proceeds go to our pillowcase project where we name you as the donor during our next pillowcase delivery. That's speakupandstayalive.com. Well, we are definitely out of time, so we've got to get going. I hope you come back next week. Same time, same place, but you know me, never the same information. Until then, I hope you have a healthy and a happy week. I am Pat Rulo, and I am the voice for informed choice. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.